Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. And I'm Brian Fulbert Kennedy. This is the podcast where we try to bend the arc of history towards a more livable planet for you and me and everyone else. And we're going to dive into a specific question that affects everyone on the planet right now. If it can kill us or make the future a hell of a lot cooler for everybody, we are in. We've had scientists, doctors, engineers, politicians, Check. astronauts, Check. and even a reverend. Check as the guests, and we work together toward action steps that our listeners can take with their voice and their vote and their dollar. That is true. Uh, this is your friendly reminder. You can send questions, thoughts, and feedback to us on Twitter at importantnotimp, or you can email us at funtalk at importantnotimportant.com. And you can also leave a voice message, which are always super fun, uh, at the link in your show notes. And we'll definitely like sh- share some of those at some point in the near future here. Yeah, stop sending weird ones, people. I'm not going to do those. True. Uh, you can also join tens of thousands of other smart people and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, this week's episode is a special one. Sure is. A uh, special request uh, for us to help out here. We're pretty excited. There are seven days left to flip Virginia blue. Oh. Um, the only full statewide election in 2019. Uh, man, we've been doing everything we can behind the scenes to help do that. Uh, working with our partners at Swing Left and Flippable and and Progress Virginia and everybody. And uh, today we're going to try to hammer that thing home. Yes, we are. And our guest is a woman. Mm -hmm. She's an immigrant, a Mm -hmm. mother, an educator, and now a politician who has just inspired the hell out of both of us and so many more people Mm -hmm. uh, and has one week left in her campaign to lead Virginia Mm -hmm. toward a significantly more kick-ass future. That's right. Uh, the incredible Dr. Ghazala Hashmi uh, is here on the line today to tell us why she's in the race uh, and her plans uh, for, it seems like not only Virginia, but I think the world. The world, uh, yeah. Yeah, if she wins. So look, you, you might have never been to Virginia. You Maybe you don't care to. You have uh, uh, other plans, but um, this sure. is our first opportunity, like we did in 2017, to to show some progress, to show that we're ready for 2020 and also just to change Virginia, Virginia forever. So we got seven days. Please tune in and then basically just throw all your money at this if you could. It'd Everything. Let's just do it. All right, here we go. Let's listen. Our guest today is Dr. Ghazala Hashmi. And together we're going to talk about flipping Virginia in seven days. Uh, Dr. Hashmi, welcome. Thank you so much, Quinn. I'm delighted to be here. We are so very excited to have you. This is an important part. Who are you? Please tell everybody. And and what are you doing, doctor? So thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm Gonzala Hashmi, and I'm the Democratic nominee for the 10th Senate District in Virginia. And this district in particular is a very, very critical part of the state election this year. All of our state Senate seats are up for election, as well as our delegate seats. And in this particular district, we have a really remarkable opportunity to flip the Senate, uh, to flip it blue. And this may be one of the deciding uh, campaigns that we have going on this year. So we're really excited. Uh, This particular state Senate seat encompasses parts of city of Richmond, as well as uh, two counties, Chesterfield County and Powhatan County. 
So it is a mix of the rural, the suburban, as well as the urban areas. And we have uh, a very uh, dynamic um, group of folks that live in the area with a lot of different interests and uh, constituencies. So we are working really hard to make sure we reach all of the voters in the district. Uh, As far as my background goes, I've been in higher education for close to 30 years in this district, uh, teaching at uh, first the University of Richmond. And then I later moved to the community college system. So I've been at one of our local community colleges for almost uh, two decades. And it's really there that I saw the impact that education can have on the lives of an individual. It, uh, the opportunity to get a strong education, it means that it Uh, Not only does the individual's life change, but it impacts the family, it impacts the community. So I'm I'm very, very committed to making sure that we have educational opportunities for all of the families in Virginia, and especially those who are first generation and uh, can achieve uh, uh, degrees that will better support their families and improve their their lives. So those are my primary areas. Sounds like not not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> um, so we don't usually dig too much into tell us your life story stuff, but I, I would love to hear uh, if you if you don't mind talking a little bit about uh, coming over to the U.S. and then I guess your transition of your decision to transition from um, being a part of the education system and into into politics. Sure. So I am an immigrant and I came to the United States when I was four years old. I came with my family from India and that was in 1969. (laughs) So a long time ago. And this uh, 2019 is actually just a, a fantastic year for me to be running because it's also my 50th anniversary of arriving in America. Wow. So well, There's no better way to uh, celebrate uh, and and serve the country that's given me and my family so much than to run for public office. I grew up in yeah I grew up in Georgia, so I've always uh, had a deep love and affection for the South. It's the communities that have nurtured me and that have really helped me to uh, be a part of this uh, this country. My husband and I moved to the Richmond area in 1991. So we've lived here for uh, close to 30 years ourselves now. We've raised two daughters here and our girls have had the benefit of a wonderful public school system. And we want to make sure that uh, every family has the kind of benefits that we've achieved. My background is actually in American literature. Uh, I went to school. Yeah, I went to school at uh, Emory University for my PhD, and I focused on uh, American poetry in particular, looking at uh, Walt Whitman and William Carlos Williams and other American poets. And my dissertation focused on how the idea of an American identity was discovered or actually um, created and what that meant through our American poetic system. So uh, I focused on the development of an American identity through 
poetry through our text. And that that actually is a part of why I'm running. I decided to step out of my comfort zone of being in higher education, being in the classroom. And I, I decided to run for office because those American ideals that I know that so many of us value, the ideals of democracy, of uh, justice and equity, those are being challenged at a very severe level throughout this country. And I knew I had to speak up because of the values that we all share. I have to uh, be a representative voice for individuals who don't have the same opportunity to speak for themselves. And so that was part of my motivation for running. Wow. That sounds pretty damn good to me. And we're, we're yeah. thankful you made the choice. I mean, what could you ask for a better candidate? Honestly, that's just incredible. Uh, awesome. Gazala, uh, and, uh, and a reminder just to everyone, um, what we'll talk about today is, uh, you know, Quinn will, will um, provide a little context for, for our topic, Flipping Virginia. And uh, and then we'll dig into some action oriented questions um, that get to the the core of why we should all care uh, about you running and and what's happening and what could happen in Virginia and uh, what we can all do about it. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Yes. Okay. So, Gazala, uh, we do start with one important question to really set the tone of our our conversation today. Uh, so we like to ask, and and please take this however you would like, but. Kazala, why are you vital to the survival of the species? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> I encourage why, you to be why? bold. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think there's a lot at stake. Uh, and this is not just our state-level politics, and it's not even just our national politics, but it's actually our sense of who and what we are as as a human society, human civilization. And really, I go back to, I'm sorry, I'm going to be talking a lot of poetry, I think, today. Uh, into but, it. Uh, Let's do it. I apologize for that, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you know the, the quote from Piercy Bysshe Shelley, who's the British romantic poet. <laughs> uh, he, he has a great line uh, that states, poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. Uh, poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. I love that line because really what he's talking about is the concept that if we're going to identify what we really value as human beings and what is truly representative of us as, as societies, we're going to find it in the art uh, and in our culture. It's our artists, our poets, uh, our great philosophers that really help us to define who and what we are as human beings. When we start losing sight of that, when we start to give um, homage to wealth and to um, uh, corporations and our desire for consumption, we lose sight of what we are as a as a human species, don't we? <laughs> and so we do. Uh, that's that's where I'm coming from. Is this sense of identity uh, that is really integral to all of us, regardless regardless of our ethnic background, regardless of our religion, 
our gender. We all have common aspirations. We all have a common sense of our moral structure. And it's through our culture that we're reminded of that. And, and, and that's my message. That's what I'm trying to constantly reiterate, that when we're take, taking a look at uh, this campaign and what we're trying to achieve in Virginia, we're really trying to return to our core values. And, and what we value is making sure that all of our families and all of our communities have a fair and equitable representation, that they have an opportunity for a decent life, that they have access to resources that are going to promote uh, a good uh, good communities for all of us. And, and it's just a basic concept, isn't it, that, that sure. we ought to be looking out for each other. And, and this, is, this is what we're trying to do. It seems so basic, doesn't it? Um, it and, like and, and I feel like there are so many people who do believe that, and it's hard to get beaten down when 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 other folks don't. But uh, you know, we we have to stick to it. And I, I appreciate that you're that that is a, a fundamental tenet of of both who you are and and what you're pushing for here uh, over the last few months, and, and certainly over these last uh, seven days. Um, okay, so just a little context for people who aren't uh, as crazy about this stuff as I am. So two years ago, we nearly flipped Virginia for the first time in a long time, decades. And it, uh, there's, we've, everyone's always told you when you're a kid, when you're growing up, your civic responsibility, every vote matters. And people are like, ha ha ha. So 50% of our country votes, right? Well, the Virginia election came down to one vote, uh, which had actually been nullified and then it was decided for the bad guys. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, and then to settle the tie that came from that, names were actually pulled out of, I mean, what to me looked like a mixing bowl. Uh, and then we lost. by a uh, And yet we got so close and made so much progress that the GOP had to actually cave on some things. And that included giving 400,000 people Medicaid, health insurance, and some for the first time ever. 400,000 people just in Virginia. So seven days from now, on November 5th, 2019, we're going to try again. And we're going to do it this time. And the Commonwealth of Virginia, which is the second hardest place to vote in America, it is the site of the world's largest naval base and the mighty Chesapeake Bay and is my home. And we're going to turn it blue. And then there's no going back. And we are going to turn Virginia into a progressive bastion it is going to be the tip of the sword for an even bigger 2020. If you want to make an impact in 2020, I encourage you to start this week. And then we are going to rebuild and redesign our democracy, starting with the state and then moving out further and our lands and our waters and our jobs into a cleaner, greener and more just society for everyone. So that's why it's important that we flip Virginia blue. But as always, we, Brian and I, are looking at this election from the perspective of the most vital issues facing the planet and humanity right. and all of our creatures, but especially this week, Virginians. So, doctor, as temperatures increase and affect minorities and the poor and the elderly most of all, what can Virginia do to provide even better health care? Why is it important with so many changes happening? to build on that Medicaid win of 2017 and push it even further? 
That's a great question. And uh, you're absolutely right that affordable health care and access to health care resources are uh, just at the top of everybody's list because it affects uh, all of our our families. And we have uh, have to do things better, not just in the state, but uh, nationwide. And there's absolutely no reason why the richest country on earth uh, cannot provide health care access and support for every every person here. Um, there is such great disparity uh, in healthcare resources. And I was talking to one of our our uh, regional directors of uh, health care here, and he pointed out that uh, within five miles, you can find Uh, Within a five-mile radius, you can find the disparity is so great that there is actually a 20-year difference in lifespan. That's not acceptable. Wow. Jesus Christ. People that live within five miles here, uh, within each five miles of uh, a radius within each other, that um, depending on their income, depending on their access to healthcare services, uh, you're going to have an entire community that lives 20 years less than their neighbors. We can do much, much better than that. So when we're taking a look at building on the Medicaid expansion, which, as you rightly pointed out, uh, provided uh, access to previously uninsured Virginians, 400,000 previously uninsured Virginians, um, insurance to them, that's that's life transforming for so many yeah. people. Uh, but what we can do now is to continue to expand on that gain and make sure that we lower the cost of prescription drugs, that we make sure that uh, our folks have the ability to get to healthcare services. So healthcare dependency is not just on making sure we have uh, insurance, but it also includes making sure that our folks can actually reach the facilities that are going to uh, provide them adequate service. We've got uh, healthcare deserts in the same way that we have food deserts, and we have to do better in that area as well. This Richmond region suffers from a lack of effective public transportation. So many of our communities uh, don't have the ability to actually get to a hospital or get to a medical facility when they need it, uh, or those costs of transportation are prohibitive to them. Uh, we have opportunities to build our telehealth services mm-hmm. so that they are reaching uh, not just rural populations, but urban centers where this lack of access is, is predominant. Uh, so we have uh, many things that we can do, many things that we need to do, and we especially need to focus on those communities that have suffered the greatest in terms of generational disparity uh, in, in having access to appropriate health care. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we obviously in a much, much more uh, con- concerted way, but also uh, more diverse, but still very telling, have a lot of those same life expectancy issues out here in Los Angeles. Um, You know, it's um, the difference between somewhere like Brentwood, which is 
actually on fire right now, but is incredibly wealthy versus right. uh, the more south central parts of Los Angeles is 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 devastating. I mean, from the urban heat issues, uh, the fact that there's the only trees on the streets are don't exactly provide any shade because they have uh, well what should be coconuts hanging from them. Uh, you know, we we've got a lot of issues, and and we we've actually had a couple conversations with folks talking about the differences and similarities between a place like Los Angeles and Washington D.C. Uh, that is, you know, um, where the minorities are already suffering, and and those 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 deserts for for healthcare um, are just unacceptable in in a, a progressive society. And uh, it would be amazing to see Virginia make make much more progress there. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a slight left turn, Gazala. Um, Virginia has uh, a proud military constituency. How can Virginia prepare for, for sea level rise around the, the naval base in Norfolk and, and uh, the New, Newport News Shipyard, uh, which are you know, two of the Commonwealth's biggest employers and, and obviously you know, protect huge parts uh, of national security? And, and, and how much of, of that is in you know, federal versus state hands? Uh, that's a wonderful question, and uh, we we certainly need to be taking all of this uh, uh, potential damage and destruction very seriously. And as you point out, it affects not just Virginia, but it is uh, a matter of national security as well. And yes. so, part of our our concern is uh, uh, <laughs> first of all, we have to acknowledge that uh, there is a climate crisis. That'd We've be a good got, start. That's helpful. <laughs> that Thank would, you for that. That would be a good start. Right? <laughs> we've got we've got folks uh, who are in denial about this area of, and this very very critical concern. Uh, the fact that we have a uh, an, uh, an administration that has pulled us out of the Paris Accord and has denied consistently. Uh, we've seen regression in. Um, our research and our ability to move forward because of lack of funding now from the federal government. And all of these uh, these deficits that we've seen, especially since the uh, Trump administration has come into office, these are deficits at the most critical point in human history. This is the uh, period at which we ought to have been absolutely focused on moving forward and it's going to take a lot, lot of time and a lot of um, smart people to undo the damage that we've seen in just these past uh, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So Virginia, I, I fully believe Virginia has to be uh, in the lead in addressing these issues. And we have to, uh, first of all, begin to educate uh, everybody about uh, the issues of crisis that we have. We have to develop new technologies that are going to enable us to move away from our dependency on fossil fuel and allow us to uh, channel uh, a different kind of green energy that's uh, going to uh, open up new opportunities um, uh, for us to address these mm -hmm. critical concerns. Mm -hmm. And then where you point out about the, the naval base and the, the rising sea levels, uh, I know Virginia is focused on these areas. We have to move quickly to address the floods that are currently uh, happening in the Hampton Roads areas and in Norfolk. Uh, and that 
that is going to take a lot of uh, time and effort. I think uh, individuals have said, said that it will take almost a decade to uh, initiate and complete this work of building seawalls around the, the naval base, mm -hmm. making sure that uh, we have the infrastructure in place to, to counteract the, the rise of water. And uh, just just the smallest uh, increase in water is a threat to not just the uh, naval base there, but to the communities that are living there. I, I think I read just an increase of three feet is going to be devastating yeah. uh, to that whole area. So this is the time that we have to act. If the federal government is not going to to do it, uh, our state government uh, certainly has to take action immediately. We have to be a leader um, as a state and join in partnership with our other um, um, surrounding communities and uh, begin to tackle this uh, serious concern. I, I love that. And and aside from just like what can Virginia do, you know, it's 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 ter terrifying and 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 tragic. Um, how many American cities are, are already under threat? I mean, you look at what Miami is dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, what they call Sunday day flooding and, and New York and New Orleans and, and so many places like that. Again, just talking about yeah. sea level rise, much less, you know, the rivers that are flooding in the middle of America or the fire that's 10 feet from my house. But, you know, the only good thing about this is hopefully with a more progressive state administration, we can learn from each other, from mm -hmm. what all of these other cities are dealing with. Um, because, you know, New York has a lot on the line and, and, uh, they, they uh, are, are throwing everything they can at it and they're bringing in the Dutch to try to learn what they can from them who've been dealing with it for hundreds of years. And, and hopefully mm -hmm. we can all, you know, with a more progressive administration, look at that and say, just like everything is on the table, you know, we, we have to talk to each other. And that's why I love seeing these alliances like, uh, you know, C40, all the mayors um, and the climate alliance uh, of, of all the state governors and things like that who are just d doing whatever they can um, because the, the feds aren't going to do it for us. Yes, that's right. So let, let's pivot one more. And I know you don't have too much time, so we don't want to steal you for very long. Uh, what can we have such a proud history of science in Virginia from, from again, like just what happens in Norfolk and in the Newport News Naval Base to uh, all of our incredible outdoors science and ecology and uh, our NASA installations mm -hmm. and things like that. What can, I, I, you know, it's funny, I think like for, I'm from Williamsburg and, and William & Mary is this wonderful institution, but we have a hard time uh, retaining computer science graduates and things like that. And I just think from the local and, and collegiate level, you know, what can Virginia do on the state level to increase science funding and, and science accessibility for, for the new generation so we become a leader in those places? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's wonderful, yes. Um, uh, and, and you're right. Virginia has, has been a leader in this area, and we have to um, move forward in a very aggressive manner and continue to do that. I'm really excited to work in this area because as an educator, uh, that's been a, a, a very important concern for me is to make sure that uh, we are providing the funding resources to continue to promote uh, educational opportunities in so many different ways uh, throughout the state. and. Uh, whether it's providing grants 
to fund our STEM programs or to especially to bolster the uh, opportunities for women in these fields or mm -hmm. underrepresented communities in these fields. Uh, there is just so much that uh, is exciting and that can be done. Um, so for me, it starts with education. Mm -hmm. And I really am committed to making sure that we have universal pre-K so that our um, communities that typically do not have the uh, access to high quality pre-K programs uh, will be able to, to uh, provide that for their children. Research has shown that when young students get a great and early start mm -hmm. in education. And really what we're talking about is socialization into learning, mm -hmm. not, not just a focus on academics, mm -hmm. but uh, when they get a great start in that, then they, they will do well in, in their uh, subsequent school years. And so having universal pre-K is an important part. And then when we're talking about our public school systems, making sure that we are funding our science and technology programs giving equitable access to technology resources. Uh, so many parts of our state suffer from lack of broadband access, which is uh, so, so amazing in 2019 yes, yeah. uh, that there are communities uh, in Virginia that don't have access to broadband. Uh, and, and that affects education. It affects the business the communities. And uh, that is, that's another issue of infrastructure that we have to focus on because it comes back down to equity issues again. Um, so giving students those opportunities to really engage in the the development of emerging technologies and to focus on science and engineering. Uh, all of those are, are special focus points. One thing that's really excited me mm -hmm. is that we have so many young women now who are entering into science fields and engineering yes. fields. That has been a huge shift generationally. And uh, it's it's just encouraging to see that these fields, which have traditionally been male-dominated, are opening up uh, to so many different groups. And these young folks are bringing in their creativity and their excitement and are, are really passionate about what they're doing. And so if we continue in this development, uh, my background in community colleges also uh, and enables me to see the ways in which we can nurture uh, all of these fields, establish strong partnerships between high schools and community colleges, and then also community colleges and our four-year universities. Uh, we can provide funding at the state level to support these education programs and to continue to nurture a pipeline of, of new uh, young folks who are engaged and interested in these fields. And, and we can certainly um, uh, support our teachers as they are, are helping our, our students. I, I love all of that. And yeah, there's, you know, from, from the increased encouragement and participation of, of young women and minorities, and, and even better, I mean, the, the, the golden ticket, right? Young female minorities uh, in, 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 or, you know, early education and elementary and middle and high school up to, mm -hmm. I mean, Virginia's incredible 
we, we have so many wonderful universities. Uh, I always love to plug William Mary and my, my <laughs> grandfather w- went to UVA Absolutely. and, uh, you know, and, um, but, but our community colleges were wonderful. Yeah. I grew up down the street from Thomas Nelson and had so many friends go there and, and what we can do to enable those places to become just these amazing hubs of, of innovation and producing incredible, not just scientists, but or engineers, but, but citizens, uh, for the 21st century. Right. Again, it just, it just feels like it's so close to being within our grasp. If we can just get there to enable these amazing things, like the opportunity is the thing that, that inspires me and, and kills me at the same time. It's like, Oh, if we could just get there and get the people and the administration in place to do this, like what we could do. Oh, right. Right. It is exciting. And it's, uh, especially exciting to me because I've been working with, uh, so many young folks who are passionate, uh, very, very smart. I'm very optimistic because of uh, the the generation I've seen. My my daughter's age, you know, I've got one daughter who's uh, almost twenty, and another who's twenty six. And wow. uh, the the folks who I uh, work with on a daily basis, they're the the smartest group of people I've worked with. Hmm. They're also very civically minded. They're so concerned about the world they live in and they are committed to making sure that we have a better world. So that inspires me working with uh, young folks like these who, who know we can do better and know that we have to do better. It's, it's really cool, isn't it? I mean, these people just, these young people care so much and they have so much energy and it makes me both inspired and feel very old and tired. Um, <laughs> but, but it's incredible, but it makes you go like, boy, I got, I got to keep up with these guys. I mean, they, they just refuse to take n- no for an answer. You, you know, as, as the saying goes, like the status quo is just com- so completely unacceptable to them or even All getting right. back to neutral. They're like, no, 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 we're, we're rewriting the books. You know, this has to be a better place for everyone, especially right. the people uh, who have been the system has been designed against for so long, whether that's housing or healthcare or education or environment. Um, you know, not only how do we get them back to a level playing field, but how do we enable them to do I- incredible things because they can and they should be a, be allowed to. I mean, it's it's crazy where it's like right. playing with one hand tied behind our back. Yeah, they're so creative and just um, ready to innovate and and um, put all of their passion and energy towards what they're doing. So I'm I'm really inspired as you are uh, by by these kids. It's pretty awesome. Kids. <laughs> I mean, they're it seems kids, yeah, I know it's crazy. Because <laughs> all our our goal, you know, is to provide our listeners with specific action steps that they can take to support you and your mission uh, with their voice, of course, and, and, and their dollar. So let's get into that and let's start with voice. Uh, one of our overarching goals here is to, to shine a light on you know, where we need to go as a, as a people. Um, so what are the big uh, specific and actionable questions that we can all be asking of, of our representatives, representatives like, like yourself? Um, you know, basically, how, how can your future constituents challenge you to do even more? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing we have to hold all of our representatives um, responsible for is making sure that they are responsive to the needs of the people they represent and not to any corporations or anyone who is um, 
uh, channeling large amounts of money. Uh, So uh, one thing we all have to ask of our lawmakers is that they respond to their constituents and especially those individuals who have the least amount of representative voice uh, within their areas and districts. And and that's just an important uh, responsibility for each of us. And uh, the other big areas that we can challenge our lawmakers is that they live up to what they have promised, that if they have shared their values and if they've been elected on those core value statements that they have expressed, that they have to actually uh, do their best uh, to follow through on those promises. Make and then sure they're lastly, walking the walk. Exactly. And then we have to have integrity. Uh, <laughs> I've been. Seems like such a wild com- notion. <laughs> yeah, I've just been completely dismayed at the utter breakdown of integrity in our Washington politics. Uh, What we thought were uh, the systems that were meant to keep in place are, you know, the checks and balances to ensure that we have uh, responsive government and that there is ethics that are being practiced on every level. We've seen how fragile that is and how it can be destroyed. And we have to make sure that we are responding uh, to that breakdown and that we do everything that we possibly can to reorganize and restructure it and to strengthen it so that it can't be so easily dismantled as we've seen it happen in these last few years now. Right. Uh, clearly, we need to improve some some things because it was, like you said, too, way too easily dismantled. Um, it, it turns out uh, the infrastructure um, in, in all regards, literally from our from our from our bridges and our seawalls to our uh, our ethics. Um, we have some work to do to rebuild those, but we have to be willing and and excited and um, and, and ready to do that work. It's, it's going to be a lot. But um, it is. We're we're enthused to have people like you leading the way. Certainly. Well, thank yeah. you, uh, Doctor. What can we What can we all do with our dollar with, to help? <laughs> in, well, this, in this last week, let's get specific. <laughs> in the next seven days. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for asking, and uh, this is uh, just so critical to be able to run an effective campaign to bring in the the kind of uh, support and resources that we need. We do need funding and um, we have uh, an opportunity for everyone to contribute at uh, gazalahashmi.com. It is my campaign website and uh, we would um, really appreciate the support of your listeners and uh, the opportunity to change Virginia is so near for us. And as we like to say in Virginia, when Virginia leads in the right direction, the rest of the country will follow. And so we hope that what we are doing in 2019 is going to set the stage for what we see happen next year in 2020 for the rest of the country. I mean, I hope so, right? That's what happened two years ago is everyone's like, oh my God, if they can do it there, 
And and I wow. feel like everyone I, got so much more fired up for the rest of that push, and and we made so much progress. So uh, we will we will absolutely put your uh, campaign URL in our show notes and and throw it all over of course social media. <laughs> um, and Brian will keep clicking on it. Awesome. Uh, well, well, doctor, we just have a few Thanks. last questions, if you don't mind, before we get you out of here, if that's all right. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much for your time. Thank you. Really Real appreciate it. This has been uh, this this part has been temporarily called a lightning round for eighty five episodes, and I haven't actually changed the name of it. One day, we one should day. probably keep it sort of quick this time. Yep, absolutely. We got to get her out of here. Um, uh, Gazala, when was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? Uh, <laughs> uh probably as a young teenager that I I. Uh, I knew I I could make up my own mind and defy my parents, and <laughs> I, I knew I could do uh, what was right for me. <laughs> and I'll leave it vague at that. <laughs> no, that that is awesome. That that is empowering for sure. Um, uh, Gazala, who is someone in your life that has positively impacted your work in the past six months? In the past six months, mm-hmm. uh, wow, I'm. You know, I'm going to actually give credit to my campaign manager, (laughs) Mr. Phil Stein. Um, He has uh, made a huge difference in helping me to run an effective campaign. And uh, I've learned a lot from him. I'm sure he's learned a lot from me. But in the past six months, he's been probably one of the most important individuals in my life. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Well, I enjoyed my my few emails with him and and a phone call to try to get this thing done. We're we're so excited to help. Uh, and he seems like he's on top of it. He is. Brian, take um, it home here. Of course. Uh doctor, what what do you do when you feel overwhelmed by all this? What what's Gazala's self-care? I I always love to read, and so I go back to the books. Uh, I like to reread, actually. I go back to the, the books uh, and that have informed me. So whether it's uh, reading poetry, uh, I will do that. Um, and one of my favorite novels, well, my most favorite novel is Moby Dick. And mm. I make it a point to reread Moby Dick every, every year so that I am re-immersed in that. <laughs> it gives me a long, long-range view on life and, and on what's important. I love that. That's wonderful. I Um, love reading. There's so many books to read. I don't know when I would ever have time to reread another one. That's amazing. I look (laughs) up to you. Speaking of books, Gazala, if you could Amazon Prime one to Donald Trump, what what book would you send him? (laughs) Does he read? I don't. (laughs) Look, we we We, got to start stipulating that ahead of time. (laughs) No, I think we know, Brian. I don't think it's like a we'll never know. True. Let's pretend either it's a book of pictures or someone's going to read it to him or even audiobook. Yeah. I mean, everyone can yeah. listen to an audiobook. I, I think it would be very useful for him to receive a copy of the Constitution. And to <laughs> Excellent. Have to him. <laughs> I, I love it. That that sounds good. Yeah. The, the, the thing about the annulments clause the other day, if you're funny annulments clause, it's like, no, 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 no. It's written down. Oh, yeah. It's a, oh God. <laughs> Anyways, that's perfect. Um, uh, Dr. Hashmi, um, is there anything else uh, you would like to say to our, our listeners? Anything else to speak truth to power before we get you out of here? Uh, I just think that it is so vital for all of us to remember the roots of our democracy, 
to remember what we value as a society and that we continue to do everything that we can to preserve the country we love and that that uh, ideal of democracy is based on the values of uh, bringing in voices uh, from throughout our country and respecting the fact that we are inclusive, that we treasure uh, each and every person, and that we have to have a common and shared humanity uh, that that uh, is going to define who and what we are. Um, I love that. Might be scribbling that down to put it on a t-shirt for myself right now. Um, uh, um, Dr. Hashmi, uh, I'm so thankful that you're running, um, that we could make this work to help however we can this this last week. Um, I know it's close, but we were believers and we can't can't wait to to celebrate with you soon. Yes. Um, and and uh, uh, it is incredible that this is uh, around the 50th anniversary of, of your arrival. And I, and I do hope that there are other folks who are who are somehow managing to come here um, for whatever reason that can look fondly upon their arrival in, in 20 and 30 and, and 50 years from now. And, and hopefully we can build a place that um, stands up for them. That is what they, uh, uh, the, that stands for the good things that they've heard and, and that we can um, represent them and, and also be challenged by yes. them in, in the most important ways, because that's theoretically what this whole experiment's all about. Yes, I, I love what you just said. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, uh, Gazala, last thing, where can our listeners follow the campaign online and follow you online? Um, my campaign is on Facebook. And I think that is Hashmi4VA is uh, on our Facebook handle. And then Hashmi4VA also on Twitter. And all of those links are connected through our Hashmi, GazalaHashmi.com website. Sounds like a heck of an operation over there. Excellent. Um, well, uh, Dr. Kazala, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, we'll let you get back to it, knocking on doors, whatever else you got up today, hopefully taking a nap or something. And um, we're going to be keeping tabs and doing everything else we can this week. Um, so best of luck. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely follow up with you once this thing is over. Happy anniversary. Thank you. It was thank wonderful you for to being talk a teacher. to you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being a teacher. Um, oh, and, I told, and an inspiring mother to I, the to the youth of our nation. I, absolutely. I, I, by the way, I, I totally forgot to mention you, you are uh, potentially my older brother's new state senator. He lives in your district oh. in Midlothian. Oh, uh, so I there's love that. there's a lot on the line here. Uh, so I'll make sure to kick his butt out the door to come knock on some doors this week. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you, Brian, awesome. and thank you, Gwen. Really appreciate it. All right, we'll thank talk you to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. 
please. <laughs> and you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jam and music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. 